Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. And my guest today, recalling their musical memories, needs no introduction. She's known to everyone in Ireland simply by her first name, Sonia. For years, she brought the country to a standstill with drama and excitement as she won silver and gold medals at European Championships, World Championships, Olympic Games. It's a pleasure to welcome, from Australia, Sonia O'Sullivan. And your first musical choice, Sonia, is from 1994. It's Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. It was actually quite difficult to pick some songs because I'm more of a person who, if I hear a song on the radio, it reminds me of something rather than, you know, kind of having songs that I actually remember the names, so I have to go and look them up. But yeah. this song, it just brings me back to my school days and being in Cove. And um, I used to go and stay with my grandparents on a Saturday night, every Saturday night. And I, you know, it's, you know the way you have these memories where you can picture yourself, you know, sitting in a place and hearing the song and what... It was probably early days of music videos as well. Yeah. And um, there was a programme on RTE. Um, I think it was called MT Music Television USA. USA, yeah. And it used to be on a Sunday afternoon. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, I used to love, like, all those music shots shows like Top of the Pops, The Countdown and everything. And so this Say, Say, Say was one of those songs that it was, I think it was number one for about six weeks in a row. And so every Sunday evening, you'd be settling down to watch these songs. And it was right around the time when my dad would come and be picking me up to go home and uh, get ready for school the next day. So, you know, I always have very happy memories of spending time with my grandmother, Margaret Sheely, and grandfather, Michael Sheely, um, and, you know, it was the other end of town. And I suppose when you're with your grandparents, you have a little bit more freedom and they have different routines and things than you have at home. And my grandmother, she taught me how to cook and um, baking in the kitchen with her on a Sunday. We used to always make a cake and you'd have a big fry up Sunday morning <laughs> after mass. So I think that was probably where my love of cooking and being in the kitchen started and you know she was definitely one of these people with a handful of that and a pinch of that <laughs> and a knob of butter you know <laughs> so the the measurements was all you know kind of for feel and yeah. I still do that a little bit and you know it's something that I suppose you just kind of learn it just by by watching and you know just being allowed to you know cook and take charge in the kitchen which which I did at that time. Nice memory. Let's hear it then. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson and Say Say Say, the choice of today's guest, world champion athlete, Sonia O'Sullivan. So, Sonia, success came to you when you in your early years. I mean, the Olympic Games in Barcelona, you were young going into it and a lot of expectation. And you carried expectation. We're a small nation who... It was only John Tracy had won a medal between, what, 1956. I mean, did you feel the weight of expectation from all of us? Um, not back then, because, you know, I think I was still quite young in 92. And, 
it was all it was all still a lot of fun and you know everything I did was a new experience so I didn't really expect that much you know like every time I ran in those early days I would run a personal best or an Irish record so you know even if I wasn't winning races I was still getting you know really positive feedback and you get this boost of energy that kind of pushes you on to the next thing and you know then before the Olympics in Barcelona we were at a training camp I was in the south of France and um, you know I was in this camp with Frank O'Mara and Marcus O'Sullivan um, John Tracy came in a bit later because their race was a bit later on and you know these were I suppose the heroes of Irish athletics and you know here I was kind of spending time with them and you know all of a sudden I was feeling like I was on an equal level with them and we were going on runs together and training sessions and 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 having a lot of fun as well so it was you know it was a really great experience and it was a training camp but in some ways it was a bit like a holiday camp as well um because we were just all so you know you'd go and do your training in the morning and then you know you got all day to kind of hang around and what are you going to do next and you know, I can remember one day everybody was lying by the pool and there was, you know, a case of sunburnt going across the team. <laughs> and that ended that very quickly. You know, just little things like that. And, you know, I think it was um, Frank's birthday when we were there. So we had a little bit of a celebration for that. And, you know, so there was always things to lighten the mood and lighten yeah. the atmosphere. So it wasn't all very serious and intense. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, just by having that, then... It just meant that you were very relaxed when you were going to the Olympics and, you know, you just were exploring, you know, when you get into the Olympic Village, it was all very exciting and all the different things that you could do. And, you know, so we weren't really focused straight down the line on, mm-hmm. you know, running the race in the Olympics wasn't the only thing. It was everything else all around it. Um, so, you know, Frank and Marcus, they'd already been to two Olympics. And I suppose in a way, maybe I was kind of a, youthful eye and energy for them to kind of you know keep them motivated and you know we we all kind of ran together trained together and you just encouraged and and helped each other to to get the best out of yourselves you know at that time and did that sense of fun change a bit then Sonia as years went on and the expectation grew even more back in Ireland that Sonia can win gold here um yeah it definitely changed a bit. Um, I think, you know, when we went away to the races, it was um, quite similar. You know, you would definitely look forward to going to races on the European circuit um, or things like the World Championships or European Championships. If I knew that, you know, people like Frank and Marcus, um, Paul Donovan, if they were on the team, then you would be looking forward to it um, because you knew there was always going to be a bit of fun and laughter and you know, it just kind of took that kind of intensity out of how you can make yourself be when you're, um, when you're on your own a lot. Um, And, you know, after 92, I started to spend a bit of time in Teddington in in London. And it was great in the summertime. Um, In the summertime, you know, there was so many people around and you're always traveling and it was, there was a great buzz around the place. Uh, And then I, I, for a few years, I went back to America and then I would kind of have a bit of a break over there, but then come back to Teddington around October, November time. 
And even though I could train a lot better in Teddington, it was winter and it was a bit cold and miserable and, you know, it was it was kind of hard work. Sure. Um, and there wasn't very many races on back then. Um, so, yeah, that definitely was a harder time. And, um, you know, you had to it was like you had to kind of endure getting through the winter um, to come out fitter and stronger and, you know, a better athlete the, the following summer. But that, that spell in the in the mid nineties, when we look back on it now, is extraordinary. You know, European Championships, World Championships, World Cross Country. You dominated. At at the time, was it easy to comprehend? I'm top of the world here. Or were you just moving from one event onto the next event in your head? Um, yeah. Once once the season got started, so once you were into June and all the training was done and you were fit and ready. It was definitely just going one race to the next and, you know, you didn't really think or worry about too much else that was going on in your life. Um, and I think I was very lucky in that sense in that, you know, as soon as I went to a track meet, I could block out anything at all. It was just gone. And I was then just focused on the preparation for the race and the countdown to the race and the day of the race. And, you know, it wasn't in a kind of isolated way it was just kind of that was just what I did I was just kind of in the zone and I could still communicate and have fun with everybody but you know anything outside of the bubble that we were in at an event you know was another world so it's like you kind of were taken away and you know people who were there and around you were all part of this so you know you could communicate with them but anyone outside of that then you know you didn't really think about them yeah. until until you, after the race and you came back out of it again. All right, but let's go to your second musical choice, Sonia. It's Enya and Orinoco Flow. What what does this remind you of? So this was this was ten years later in around nineteen it would have been in the mid nineties, so I would say probably around nineteen ninety four. And I can remember, you know, clearly I was in a I had a two bedroom apartment in Teddington and a bit like I was saying before there about, you know, I was there a lot in the wintertime by myself. And um, I used to just play these songs early in the morning and it would be up full blast and it would just kind of take you away from, you know, I suppose, talking yourself out of going out for a run in the cold and the rain. And it was a bit like kind of warm up music. And, you know, I could pick any Enya song because I had all the albums and there was always one of them on in my house and it was just one of those things that it could just kind of detach you from negative thoughts. I think there was always a bit of a positive flow and a thing about her music. Like it would often start off slowly, but then it would build up and you just got a real kind of jolt of energy listening to it. Um, You know, even being, and I suppose, yeah, being there by myself a lot would have been the thing that kind of um it was i suppose in a way it was a bit of company to have that music and that was part of my day and part of my routine was listening to the music and you know before i would go out for my run in the morning des's island discs on rte radio one that's enya and orinoco flow the choice of today's guest sonia o'sullivan Interesting you say that you'd listen to that when you were on your own in, in, in London at that time because that was around the the start of the peak of your career too, wasn't it? 
Um, it was. And, you know, the peak of my career, well, I always say there's kind of two parts to my career. There's kind of um, pre-1996 and post-1996. Yeah. But the the early days, um, you know, when I, I was definitely running fast all the time and, you know, training was everything and running was everything. Um, and it was a time when I suppose there was not, I didn't have very much else in my life apart from running and training. And part of that was probably because, you know, I would be quite tired after training and, you know, you would just need that time to, to relax. And, you know, back then we didn't really talk about resting between training sessions and very rarely would I have a sleep in the day, if ever. Um, so I suppose in a way, listening to music kind of built that into my day was, you know, to lie down and to just kind of, in a way, you'd be kind of meditating or just relaxing, um, you know, without, without kind of like, I suppose, um, deciding to do that. It just came naturally to do that. Yeah. And that was my method of doing it. And I know now, you know, it's rest and recovery is such a huge part for athletes um, training at the high level. But back then, you know, we just trained hard and then you kind of got on and you find, OK, what's the next adventure for the day? <laughs> so to have that time to lie down and listen to some music was a little bit of a time out in the yeah. day. Well, of course, the girls were to arrive, Kira and Sophie, post-96. But when you look back on the whole career, are there are there disappointments for you? The Chinese, for instance, when the Chinese came from nowhere and were subsequently found to have been dodgy, when you look back on, on those kind of events now, how do you feel? Um, yeah, I think, you know, it was one of those things where we were just all taken by surprise. I mean, you know, at, around in the early 90s and late 80s, you know, there was talk of athletes, you know, cheating and taking drugs and, you know, but from probably more likely from Russia and, you know... Um, Eastern Europe at the time. East Germany yeah. or West Germany, yeah. one of them. But, you know, all the, the kind of Eastern Bloc countries, there was a lot of talk and rumours about that, but nobody ever really spoke out about it. Mm. And then the Chinese turned up and, you know, it was like as if they kind of, kind of rattled that whole kind of thought process and what people were thinking and all of a sudden there was this new thing coming and it was definitely down to it was more focused on the amount of training that they were doing and the intensity of training and just because people could what could see them when they were in the village in Stuttgart you know they were doing these unbelievable training sessions at yeah. the track in between the races and you know it was just people were so obsessed with going to the track and watching them and talking about what they were doing because they just came out of, out of the blue and out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, so there really wasn't time to think too much about it. You know, we just were presented with this on the eve of the World Championships. I think they had run a couple of fast times um, and then had to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a shock to the system for everybody and I think because it was such a shock and so out of the blue, people just tried to carry on as normal and say, we're not going to let this interfere or bother us. I'm still going to line up here and I still think I'm going to win this race. Um, but, you know, then there was this point in the race where there was nothing you could do about it mm. because it just was one of those things that you just weren't prepared for. 
and maybe I was a little bit more prepared in the 1500 metres in 1993 after the 3000. Where you won silver, um, yeah. And it was definitely more prepared to kind of, I suppose, do everything I could to get some kind of a result, you know, rather than finish fourth again, and um, which seemed to be, you know, to have that twice in a row, 92 and 93. Mm. Um, you know, the 1500 was that one chance that I had nothing to lose and I was either going to go out there and, you know, get a medal or get nothing. You know, it was going to be, I wasn't going to be fourth, <laughs> but yeah. I was going to just do everything I could and hopefully not, you know, just blow up and end up nowhere at all. And are you angry about it now, looking back? I'm, I'm not really angry about it, but I would be... It's frustrating that, you know, nothing was done about it. It's, it's really frustrating that their times and records are still in the record books. And, you know, even in 2012, I went to uh, an event in Monaco for the I- IAAF and it was their centenary celebrations. And it was the first year that they were inaugurating athletes into their Hall of Fame. And it, there, I, there was definitely a bit of an insult there when they had Wang Yungsha go up and, you know, be into the Hall of Fame. And you just kind of thought nobody's ever really questioned this or asked, you know, what really went on back then. And I think, you know, now people probably would be more willing to give information if you could get a hold of them. But, you know, it's one of those things that people probably just move on and they kind of think, well, if we don't have to deal with it, we won't. And it was such a long time ago. But it's definitely a shadow that hangs over the sport that they allowed performances like that to happen um, and not necessarily at the world championships but later in the year at the I think it was the Asian games where they went and set a lot of world records yeah. that you know were they were just out of this world and you know it was things that you just couldn't imagine happening and you know some athletes have since broke these records <laughs> yeah. so but you know it was a, it was such a long time ago and it was just one of those things that you just couldn't understand how it could be done, you know, just from normal training and normal means and without any, I suppose, taking anything to, to help you out. And, you know, whether it was to help you to recover and be able to come back and train again or to boost, you know, the ability of the athlete, you know, it's still all up in the air and there's never been answered. Mm-hmm. Let's finish. I mean, there have been so many great days and your last song is 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 an appropriate way to to finish. Maybe so many great days. Have have you a favorite race on you? Um, ooh, that's a tough question. Yeah, <laughs> favorite race? I I probably do now. And I was watching. I was actually watching a race there this afternoon. Um, you know, sometimes the, especially at the moment, there's lots of um, history popping up around yeah, the place. Yeah. And it was a World Cross Country in in 1998 from Morocco and. That was probably one of my better races. Um, you know, one of the ones where I was very fit and very ready um, and not expected to do very well. Um, so I, that would definitely be right up there amongst one of my favourite races. Well, you won double gold there. I mean, you're, I know you're too modest to say, you know, you won the short course and the long course race at Marrakesh. And, and you double gold at the Europeans in, in 
in Budapest as well, which was extraordinary, in Gothenburg and the World Championship. So many great days. The Olympic race, the silver in Sydney. How do you reflect on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the time I was, I was very satisfied to have won the silver. You know, it was one of those things. It was my third Olympics and, you know, I finished fourth, then didn't do well at all in 96. And then, you know, so it was so important for me to come back and to get a, a really good result in 2000 and I was quite relaxed at the Sydney Olympics because I had spent quite a bit of time in Australia and it was a very kind of relaxing environment to be you know turning up to run a race and I'd run on the track numerous times before at the Australian National Championships and at a Grand Prix earlier in the year so I was very familiar with everything so it was very easy to kind of tone everything down and bring it down to the level of you know warming up and being relaxed and not getting stressed about the whole thing and you know when I look back on it you know I think you have to be grateful to have an Olympic medal um, but again <laughs> this week somebody sent me a photo of um, the the women's 10,000 meter race uh, which I also ran in and I finished sixth and broke the Irish national record but I think, in a way, when I looked, I watched it and went and watched the video of the race. And um, when I look at that race, I kind of think, oh, I should have been up there racing for the medals in the 10,000 metres. I was just, you know, too happy and too relieved with winning the silver medal that it didn't really matter to me at that mm. point. But when I look back on it now, I kind of think, oh, I could have done so much better there. <laughs> and you kind of think, oh, well, you know, what if? Um, but at the time, it just wasn't in my mind you're such a perfectionist listen your final your final musical choice refle <laughs> reflects on on so many great days that you gave us where we the whole country were able to enjoy it's you too is there a particular memory attached to this song um well there is i mean you know i i couldn't not put in a u2 song um because you know i think any irish person who has spent a lot of time abroad and especially in the in the 80s and 90s you know, U2 came with them. And, um, you know, I was looking back at all the older U2 songs and, but, you know, I'd, I think if I was going to be stranded on a desert island, <laughs> this song would work out well. But the, my memory for this song was actually from 2004. So I've had something from 84, 94 and 2004. Um, so I was, I was in Dublin and it was in April, so it was beautiful spring day and um, I was recovering from an injury and it was you know a few months before the Athens Olympic Games and I'd come to Dublin to run in the Great Ireland run and I wasn't super fit I had just um, I was just building myself back up after an injury and I can remember being in Dublin I went to Herbert Park for a run and it was one of these I don't always run with music but for some reason I did that day and I had my headphones in and it was just the nicest spring day and the daffodils were coming up and everything and you know and I put the headphones in and and that song just came on and you know it was just the perfect song for the perfect day and you know the perfect feeling that I had that I could actually go out and run for an hour pain-free and you know do what what I love doing and you know it's always something you know to be able to go out and to run pain-free at any time it just gives you a bit of a lightness and an energy in your day. And, you know, that's 
probably why there's so many people out there running at the moment because you know when you go for a run you always come back happier than than when you started well, it's a lovely way to finish Sonia Sullivan thank you for all the great memories you've given us down through the years continued happiness to you and your family and thanks for joining us and we'll play out with you too and it's a beautiful day thanks Sonia thank you Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1